my entire twenties were lost. Like I did not have any of it. Uh, basically I was in so much pain. I had basically, I don't have any relationships or really, I don't have any really strong friendships or relationships from before my injury. I had one opportunity left. I had one option. Welcome to the Zero Quit Podcast, where I bring you candid conversations with elite athletes, entrepreneurs, specialists, and other creatives. I'm your host, Brock Covington, and through these dialogues, you will hear powerful stories and practical advice that will help you live a more active and intentional life. If you enjoy the show, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Zero Quit Podcast. Today, I have on Sam Schaefer. He is an athlete and coach at Schaefer Adaptive Methods. After dealing with intense chronic pain from CRPS for nearly a decade, Sam had his lower left leg amputated back in 2020. Since then, he's worked to help other amputees build strength, advocates for those in the adaptive community, and pushes his body to crazy limits through a bunch of different fitness disciplines. How are you doing, Sam? I'm doing all right. That was a excellent <laughs> elevator pitch. Like, th- There's a lot of layers you hit right there very, very well. Yeah, it's funny. I, I was thinking about how to phrase that. And usually when I'm researching people, some people have like easy bios to kind of pinpoint. And then other people like yourself, I mean, th- there was one key reason why I wanted to bring you on and what really caught my eye specifically, you do multiple things, but the uh, the running, the race that you're coming up, which we'll get to at some point, really caught my attention. But I also was, and I'm sure it's different from person to person, but I'm like, how do I how do I phrase it in a way that's not insensitive where I'm like, oh, your key bio point is that you're an amputee. It's like, I don't want to make that like the key feature, but it's it's a very you're cool crushed trait. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, it, like it's unique and it's interesting, but yeah, like you're exactly right. Like it's it's a detail. It's not the story. Yeah, exactly. And uh, no, yeah. I, I appreciate both the perspective and the, um, how will you like the, <laughs> the final product preamble. there? Awesome, awesome, yeah. So what uh, question before we get too into, what's your uh, current mileage looking like what, what are your runs looking like from week to week oh man very low um yeah so well, you basically yeah, yeah oh yeah i've got tons of time so i am yeah. basically starting from zero i've not ru- run until very recently for about 12 years yeah so i got hurt september 6 2011 on a run um when i was active duty mm-hmm. and well i was in training and then I basically didn't have the opportunity to run again due to the pain. Like I, I tried and did s- stuff like mm-hmm. it when I was dealing with CRPS, um, a whole lot of denial going on at that point, um, mm-hmm. towards what was really happening with my life. And then, you know, combine that with being early twenties, but mm-hmm. nothing like what I'm getting ready to embark on. So right now I am actually not even shooting for mileage. I'm just trying mm-hmm. to get three runs in, in a week. In fact, I'm going to hit one after this. So like yesterday I've got this big hill, I'm running that hill once a week. You know, I'm just doing, uh, you know, right now I'm just doing like five or six times, just working on the technique of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm going to hit a couple more runs this week. Uh, that's going to be about 40, just 40 minutes with the goal to be, I'm trying to phrase this the way Bo told me. The goal <laughs> was do not outpace your breath. It does not matter how far you run right now. It's simply getting comfortable with running. It's running practice. Yeah. And that, I like that's that, where that- I'm at. That's a that's a cool uh, assault boat just a couple of days ago. So it's good. It's funny we have all these mutual friends. But uh, and I know he was just up in uh, St. Louis, I think last week. But uh, yeah, that's oh, yeah. a cool. He, uh, he's gonna help me out a lot with this. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah, because I know he just did a recent ultra too. But I, I like that cue because it, it basically is a is a fancier or nicer way of saying you know stick in zone two. It's like a more yeah. fun, elaborate way of doing that. Um, but even that, like myself, I, I just hired on a coach. I've never had a coach for strength running anything, but, oh, um, really? I have some, None? no, no, wow. <laughs> uh, part of it is let me learn it myself. And I think the best thing to do is just be like, you know, boots on the ground, get my hands dirty, learn all the things into whatever it was, bodybuilding strength or, or running. Um, part of it was stubbornness or not wanting to spend the money, but I have some goals, uh, coming up in 2024, hundred mile race all that and i'm like uh, oh, wow. i want to be fully prepared <laughs> i need Which to hand this off uh bighorn bighorn hundred is the uh the plan okay. and that's all in right. june i don't have everything I'm like, to start i'm just starting to learn all these different races because i am for the <laughs> yeah. very first time actually entering this world like i finally mm-hmm. figured out a way to make it interesting for myself yeah uh because i never really enjoyed running like even when i was like you know high school was like obsessed with soccer and wanted to go play mm-hmm. the next level I could not bring myself to run. I, I literally would yeah. just play like six or seven games 
a week getting mm-hmm. ready for the season because I was like, I don't want to go run. I'm the um, same way. Yeah, running still doesn't have the like appeal by itself, but it's it's the it's like it's the adventure of it. Yeah, it's the vehicle. It's it's like the the training weeks are very monotonous. They're very tedious and boring and and annoying to do. But you know that like that buckle and that day that you're gonna pour everything out is worth it. Um. So anyway, with all that said, regarding or tying back to what you were saying, uh, my coach is having me actually stick into zone two more than I've probably let myself. I've been probably in that, like what they call like a gray area or gray zone where I'm not doing hard or like, I'm not running fast, but I'm not running slow either. I'm just in this like place mm-hmm. where there's no progress happening. So actually after this, I'm also doing a run and going to have to go snail speed, but it's all, it's all good. All fun and games. But, uh, so I want to hear a little bit about your strength background because I've seen you on your Instagram and, and the content that you post, you've done a ton of stuff. You've done strength. You've done, um, it seems like a little bit of CrossFit, maybe some Highland game stuff, well, a little bit the all intro. over the place. Huh? I, I, I'm a, I'm a perfect example that CrossFit was my gateway drug. Yeah. Um, I got involved in CrossFit in early February of 2010. Uh, okay. there was, there, there were no CrossFit shoes, uh, when I no. first started. Uh, I went to basic training, came back, and there was this Rich Froning guy now and le- mm. learned a whole bunch. Like So that that was actually my fir- first – that's what got me into into movement, exercise, the whole thing So because I was – I had a desire to be – to go into a special operations career field, and mm. I was 150 pounds, which is not the right size for, for that. And my recruiter's like, hey, there's this thing called CrossFit. I don't know if you've heard of it. But the guys mm-hmm. that are doing it seem to be doing better than the ones that aren't. So I was like, okay, that's that simple. I want if I if that's the recipe for success, that's the one I'm going to follow. Mm-hmm. And then that's what that, that led to like everything. I just I just not doing a whole lot of it anymore. Yeah, well, I feel like it's one of those sports that I I don't know. A lot of sports seem like that, even powerlifting, in a way where uh, if you're too competitive for too long you get hurt pretty quick and cross it's one of those things where if everything isn't dialed in uh the injury risk is pretty high but it's also one of those sports as you mentioned where you find a lot of um well you you get a lot of military community into it but just in general i look at those athletes and i'm just intensely impressed and and humbled because i realize i can't hang yeah it's it's really different and like the difference between like a sport a fitness modality they're not as connected as you would be as like the marketing leads you to believe like the sport of CrossFit and then CrossFit for fitness are far again. Like I said, I I believe them to be far more different than yeah. What, what, what's out there being like, so like to do the sport of CrossFit where people miss the same reason you and I are about to go for really slow runs after this is that base building. Mm -hmm. People don't do that base building and CrossFit. They just, they get pushed right into the sport aspect of it. And that's where that's whenever mm-hmm. I feel like you see injuries, or where I didn't with the athletes that I was coaching, I didn't see injuries because of those measures that I would take with the base building and the building your pacing and building your, yeah. you know, hey, everything needs to be filtered through your ability to breathe and that sort of stuff. And that's just kind of that's just not the norm. Um, but yeah, yeah, once you, but if you've got that base and you've got that awareness, like it is, I mean, it's the MMA of fitness. It really is. Yeah. 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 And it, the carryover seems to be a lot better from sport to sport. Like uh, one guy I follow is uh, Jacob Hepner and, you know, coming from a high CrossFit games athlete. And then he's into like tactical games now. And anything he does, it just seems like is a you know, high success rate. But, uh, you know, like you said, there isn't enough, I guess, emphasis on those foundational stuff, those base, base building periods, because people just want to go fast, man. They always want to go fast and, and get right into it. And even with like the running space, right? Like, you know, people just want to jump right into the, the races and the hard workouts and this and that. But there does need to be spent uh, that time spent in those uh, very boring, monotonous workouts. So talk to me a little bit about uh, CRPS, Complex Regional Pain Syndrome, because I know nothing about it. I was digging into it, but I was like, let me ask the man who's experienced it himself. Yeah, um, you and most of the medical professionals I dealt with. Um, so it's <laughs> so so the name is actually like if you actually like sit there and take a, take a step back and look at the name, it kind of screams, we don't understand this. 
and uh, think about complex yeah, very regional pain syndrome. <laughs> like, like what, what did you learn from that? Um, so yeah. it is a very intense chronic pain condition. Um, most people get it a little bit different. Like everybody's got their own like characteristics of their, their experiences with it is what I've learned. Um, like mm-hmm. some people get really temperature sensitive. Some people get really touch sensitive. Um, for me, it was just straight constant. Like it never mm-hmm. actually like from the day I got hurt, I never returned to zero on the pain chart until after my amputation, which was nine years later. Um, I, so I you felt, mentioned getting hurt because when I was I was looking it up, it usually came comes from like some kind of injury. What what was the injury that led to this? Uh, uh yeah. So just uh, like like you said, I was uh, on a run in training uh, in Biloxi, Mississippi. Clipped a curb, the outside of the foot, and then like one of those ones where like I rolled mm-hmm. the ankle to the point that the inside of my heel touched my inside ankle, like it rolled all the way oh, wow. over. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty gnarly. In my infinite wisdom and being in the environment I was in, and again, I knew what I was there for. I got up and finished the run, uh, which was about another mile, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more. And after once the adrenaline of that run, uh, the wheels fell off. Um, like mm-hmm. the, the wheels fell off. And it's also one that takes a little bit of time to diagnose. Like it's not like you're never going to know it right away. Uh, I'm like, I was six months out and they're like, we don't know. Like I'm getting accused of like faking by the military. Mm-hmm. They're like, like you just sprained your ankle. I don't know what your pro- you, you you sprained your ankle and had a fracture. I don't know what your problem is. Six months later, and luckily there mm-hmm. was somebody in the care team that was like, "This might be CRPS," and uh, I got sent to the specialist that you go to for that one and pain management. And unfortunately, it took them about one minute. And the guy goes, "I'm sorry to tell you this, but this is the most clear cut case of CRPS I've ever seen." Um, so like really more than anything, it's just like. I'm in a constant sympathetic nervous state. Um, I'm constantly getting pain signals that I shouldn't be getting. It's like a wiring. It's like something has gone wrong with the wiring and there's no way to turn the pain off. Um, what is the pain that, like? Is it kind of like a, like a needle type pain or? Um, I got all it? of it. Like, like there, there was definitely the needles. Like sure there was varies. like the stabbing. Uh, there were times when it just felt pain radiate from the bone out. Uh, the electrical mm-hmm. was really frequent and challenging to operate with. Um, there were times where I, the, the best way I have to describe it is I felt like a railroad tie was being run through my foot. Like it literally felt like I couldn't even pick my foot up off the ground. Cause I felt like somebody had taken like a railroad tie and a hammer and just kept beating it in. So was it and centered it was, around the uh, ankle and foot primarily, or did it kind yes. of radiate up higher in the um, legs? It, well? Sometimes the pain would radiate up, radiate up towards my knee, but it never never went past my knee. Mm-hmm. Um, of all the things oh, that can okay. happen with with all the things that can happen with CRPS, and one of the things that really was like it's time to go on this um, amputation mm-hmm. was it can spread to other limbs. And I was like, I'm mm-hmm. nine years in. I failed every treatment. My function is going downhill. My mental health is non-existent at this point. Like we got to go we can't have this happen. And mm-hmm. the amputation wasn't a certain thing. And it was just the last punch I had to throw to be completely honest. And it was like, well, in the end, if, mm-hmm. if it doesn't work, I end up in a wheelchair. And if we don't do it, I'm going to be in a wheelchair within a couple of years. Anyway, I was already on a forearm crutch because a cane wasn't enough assistance for me to walk around with. And yeah, like it's just really intense. Yeah. Cause I thought I found it pretty interesting when I was, doing my little research, I should say. And uh, I was watching your video that you filmed where you were explaining how, uh, hey, you know, just spoke to a doctor. We're planning on doing the surgery. And your demeanor was was quite interesting to me because, and I think it really spoke to it that you dealt with it for nine years because you weren't, you weren't crying. You didn't seem, at least in the video, you didn't seem like an emotional wreck uh, admitting that, hey, I'm going to, uh, had this lower leg amputated, uh, but it was kind of just like a, you, you had a very positive outlook on it. Like, Hey, this is the chance. next step. This is going to solve some things for me. Yeah. Could you elaborate like for, on that? So, yeah. So I, so I got hurt. I was 20 years old, uh, turned 21 shortly after my entire twenties were lost. Like I did not have any of it. Uh, basically I was in so much pain. 
I had basically, I don't have any relationships or really, I don't have any really strong friendships or relationships from before my injury. Uh, when I got discharged from the military, got medically discharged, I was my, I was inconvenient. I was in pain and I didn't feel mm -hmm. good and people stopped answering their phone and then it was hard to maintain relationships. And then on top of that, there's trying to deal with the depression and all, you know, trying to manage all these things whenever I basically feel like I'm on fire all the time. And so like, is this, and now that, that circle and that snowball just keeps rolling for nine years and nothing is getting better. I'm working my mm -hmm. ass off. I am trying, like I am humbled as humbled can be like, you know, I am sitting in a bucket of ice for 15 minutes, just trying to get a break to distract my nervous system. You know, like there wasn't yeah. a lot of life at, at that point. I'm sitting there like if I'm 30 and the other piece of the puzzle is the other, a euphemism for complex regional pain syndrome is the suicide disease. Um, mm -hmm. I have been, I've had medical professionals in a medical setting use that phrase. Like that, that's how like, tied like people with crps don't usually they don't die of natural causes um it's usually by their own hand mm -hmm. or behavior that's driven by the pain alcohol drug abuse like it, it's it is a miserable existence and i'm sitting here i am almost 30 i've got this wife who's just incredible and i just cannot like I can't even fathom how my life can really go. Like, what does this life actually look like in 10 years? Like how much worse can this really get? Am I going to be able to handle? And then I'm sitting there like, my wife is too special for this. Like this can't be her life just taking care of me. Like I want to be this and I want to be, a, you know, I want to be a, an uncle and I want to be, you know, if, if, the, if the cards are there, I want to be a dad. Mm -hmm. I want to be all these things. And I cannot be anything resembling the version of Sam that I know is, was in there. Yeah. with this pain. I had one opportunity left. I had one option. You know, my foot wasn't working um, anyway. Well, it's like, so a device will at least work. Yeah. Even if it doesn't, even if it doesn't have the same capability, which it, it doesn't. I mean, there's a reason why I need five feet to match the technology that you just have. Yeah. Um, And so like, things are dark. Like, th things are dark. And I'm sitting here like, this is it. It's this or nothing. It's it's this or call it or call or call the ball game. End it. Like again, I, I I couldn't. I was in such a dark place that I couldn't deal with the guilt of what I felt like I was doing to my wife, um, yeah. or any of it. And so it's like I I didn't feel like I had anything to lose, and I just wanted an opportunity. I was like, I know I can work hard. I know I can be consistent. I know that I can control what I can control. What happens if it works? Cause if it fails, I didn't yeah. really, feel, I didn't feel like failing a failure. Like, cause I could have woken up with the exact same pain. It could have been like my foot was still there with the way that the condition is. Like I knew that it wasn't a sure thing, but I knew that if it worked, I would be able to make it count. So it was an amazing opportunity. Yeah. I, I almost, the, yeah. The visual that comes in my head when you're describing it is almost like even in happy moments, maybe times with your wife or family or Christmas or a, you know, a delicious meal, you still have this lingering shadow or cloud over you that just kind of distracts you from the moment. And, and like Correct. any kind of oh, my memory happiness is, is least. Yeah. Yeah. Like there was nothing the, the, like everything was pain, pain with a side of what was happening in life, not the other way around. Gotcha. So it didn't season the food. It, it became the food and the seasoning was just whatever else was going on kind of in a way. Yes. So yeah, as, as the surgery came closer, I, I wonder where your mind was at. I mean, you talked about, hey, it's still, you know, this is a chance. So you look at it on a more positive uh, perspective. And I know you also talked about how there's nerves going into it because you don't know if this will 100% guarantee the pain's gone. But I still wonder where your head is at right before you go into surgery or right before you're going to go to sleep uh, from the anesthetic because I I watched – actually before I ran like my first kind of mock marathon years ago by myself, I watched this documentary called uh, – I think it's called Lead Man. It's by Billy Yang on YouTube. It's this ultra runner who uh, it has an amputated leg. And I cried the morning I was watching that because 
it just hearing him and seeing the look in his eyes before, I mean, I think his situation was somewhat similar. I think he, well, no, it wasn't nerve pain, but he had like lost all feeling. So he's basically dragging around a dead leg um, from, a, from an accident with a boulder. But just the idea of, hey, I'm going to wake up and look down and my leg's going to be gone. Could you describe, I guess, your, your mindset and, and where your head was at going into that surgery and coming out? Um, peace. Um, it was, re I remember, so on top of all the pain, uh, the VA originally told me no. Mm -hmm. They said no to the amputation. And the person who said no doesn't even have the ability to tell me no. So she's, she's supposed to be my general care and her job is to give me the referral. And she is trying to deny even doing her job. And then it became this big back and forth fight. So for nine months now I'm fighting what I feel like I'm fighting for my life. And they're fighting for their ego. Um, I have been told that I'm going to fail. I've been told that there's no chance this works. That no one has ever, that like, and I've, I know somebody, like, this came into my mind because of I found somebody who had, like, almost the same story as me and amputation worked. And they're like, How it's combatant impossible. was the VA with getting some of this treatment? It got nasty. Like, it yeah. got nasty, filthy. Like, I had to basically write a letter breaking down the entire timeline of everything that had happened multiple times pointing out, I'm just going to use the word misconduct uh, multiple yeah. times pointing out misconduct between the, on the staff and them not fulfilling their responsibilities and providing medical care. And I ended it with, I would now, can I please have my referral out of the VA mm -hmm. to speak to a surgeon who can handle my case? Or I'm certain that there's a new station or two around here that would love to tell that would help me tell this story of how I've been treated. Mm -hmm. It was weird before it was taking like weeks to get a response. I got a referral in 36 hours. <laughs> um, I got a referral in 36 hours. And whenever I sat down with the guy, it took him about 20 minutes to know that that surgery was the only option. It was the right option. And if he had seen me nine months before that, he said we would have done the exact same thing. There was an immense amount of peace driving out of there. Like, you know, that movie scene, where like they're trying to basically say like everything's different now, like they're trying yeah. to explain that. I think of that Nick Cage Con Air meme where he's just got the wind blowing. Yeah. <laughs> the air, the air smelled different walking out of there. Like I can just remember like the tears. I can remember like I have a chance Hope. now. I finally have a chance. Yeah. That's all I'd wanted, and that's all I was fighting for. And yeah, no, I just I remember just driving out of there with the windows down and just being like. I might get to live. I might get to live. I might not have to die now because I was just at this place where I didn't want to die, but I couldn't do what I was doing. Yeah. And, uh, man, just the, it was just such a huge opportunity. So from at that point, I knew like best case scenario, it works and I'm out of pain and I get to live this life. Worst case scenario I'm right where I'm at, and I don't have this one more thing that I could do. I can at least have some peace and make decisions with my life knowing I've truly done everything, and I was willing to go to bat for myself at the highest level. So, like, for me, it was peaceful. I kept waiting for the butterflies to come, and uh, yeah, they never did. Or by the time they did, they'd given me the sedatives, in which case I didn't remember yeah. anything after that. I guess... I guess when you've dealt with it for so long, it's almost like you're emotionally drained. And at that point, you're not, you, you, don't, you don't miss the leg that's been, yeah, you don't, you don't no, miss the leg that's don't been giving it. you misery for years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, like, yeah, I didn't want it anymore. Yeah. Take it back. <laughs> right. So <laughs> like, after the surgery, after the surgery, and those initial months of recovery, what were some of the high and low points of learning to kind of live in this adapted way now? Um, I mean, the high point was the fact that I was actually seeing progress on my work. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I worked I worked very hard the whole time. Um, that I can still look back and say, like, I didn't leave a lot on the table while I was dealing with the pain. I, I do believe that I worked as as hard and intelligently as I could given, given my tool strength set, and mobility, strength, mobility, mentally, like 
Mm-hmm. I, it, like what I was carrying around was so heavy. And I, I feel that I truly did do my best. Um, now I'm getting to see progress and I'm like experiencing comfort that I, like, I, haven't, I hadn't been comfortable in a decade. Like at that point, that was one third mm-hmm. of my life I had spent uncomfortable and not like the discomforts where you find, you know, and not like the training sort of discomfort that we're, that we're chasing with these long runs, like involuntary, mm-hmm. no choice involved discomfort was just constant. So now I'm getting to experience all these new constants. So it's like uh, one of the things, you know, our buddy Hansei likes to say is like my highs are high, my lows are high. Um, so yeah, there, there were times it was tough and I'm just tired and I'm, but I was still really grateful for that. I'm like, yeah, th- there was just that, that very prevalent reminder of how much worse it could be that like, I was just barely across the line. Uh, you know, I was barely across the line of not being in pain anymore. And I was, so I was fortunate to have that perspective. But yeah, I mean, I mean mm-hmm. yeah, th- there was stuff that was tough. It's just like, you know, the first three months, you know, you don't have a leg, so you're on crutches at best, or you're on a walker. And so there's times when it's like, it's annoying and like a little frustrating. Like I needed a bunch of help from my yeah. wife or, uh, you know, that sort of stuff. But I got over that pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like, like you said, the perspective of dealing with that pain for so long gave you uh, a point of reference where as, as, no matter how frustrating those points were, you kind of could refer back to those years of pain and say, hey, this is nothing. I've dealt with worse. I can overcome this. And and I, I like that Hanse quote, like just the positive outlook. It's like, what are you going to do? Are you just going to sit in here and like, you know, waddle in like the pain and woe is me? Or are you going to, you know, make something out of this new leash on life, right? Did you end up having any, I know you referenced like there's a chance the surgery wasn't successful. Did you have any phantom pain or is there any chance that it could come back in the future? Um, my understanding is it absolutely could come back at any point. Um, but like from phantom pains, I had very normal to low phantom pains. Like almost anyone that gets an amputation done experiences some amount of phantom pains. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had very little. I, I, uh, I regularly joke that I got the Gucci surgery. Um, <laughs> like I got, uh, a bone bridge put in, uh, which is not common for a below the knee amputee, uh, most most below knee amputees they are not they can't load bear on their residual limb i can um which just creates a lot of lot more it creates more stability um mm-hmm. he also did a lot of nerve work uh to prevent and work and to mitigate uh the frequency of phantom pains and as i got further out past the surgery it, it's it's very minimal and in fact yeah. more often than not like if i'm getting phantom pains i know it's probably because actually my glutes too tight my my left glute is tight and i'll yeah. work that out and bada bing bada boom huh so talk to me about some of these different legs that you got and what the uh function is of each okay so like i said one thing that i have gained from this is just an immense amount of like <laughs> holy shit on how incredibly complex <laughs> and impressive just the ankle and foot mhm just the ankle and foot. One, just simply losing half of my my ground connection has been really different. You know, like some people want to, like you've, I'm sure you've heard of like grounding. People talk about just walking around barefoot outside, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I always liked it, but I, I never quite knew if there was actually something to it. I am 1000% certain that there is something to it now because I remember the first time walking outside on the grass and feeling how different the sensation was. I was like, whoa. Mm. that's okay this is for real um this is super for real because i could feel how much different it was side to side and compared to what it was before i think we get a lot of nerve feedback from our feet that we don't really realize until you know we don't have it yep (laughs) yeah you learn a lot about what to do by the sensation you get in your feet uh and that's lifting or just simply going around life Mm -hmm. and uh so yeah so i have I've got like four feet, I think, that I've got in, in circulation right now. So um, you've got like your everyday foot. Um, this this foot is equipped with more absorption, like absorbing energy. It's a little more comfortable to just walk walk around in. Uh-huh. Um, I can do just about anything in this everyday foot, especially the one that I use. It's a little higher, little higher return than most uh, from a company called Levitate. 
Uh, and so that's just kind of like, like your everyday is exactly what you would think. It's, it's, it's like your, it's your everyday shoe. Think about okay. that. Like, like, you, like you've got your shoes, you're running shoes that you're going to go on a walk in probably aren't really like, as you dive more into running, you start to learn that walking and running shoes are a little different. Yeah. But it's versatile. Um, yeah. And then you've got your, like your sports shoes. Like, you know, for example, like I, I like, I like the flux, uh, trainer mm-hmm. uh, a lot, but like, you don't use that for everything. No. Um, <laughs> but I can do a lot. I do a lot in them. Mm-hmm. So like th- there's your everyday foot. Uh, I have a running blade, which is a lot more retur- energy return. It doesn't really give me the absorption. So it requires like the, you really start to get tapped. I've really start gotten to tap into like the strength side of running. Well, I was going to ask, could I pause you on that? Why is it that the, the running blade seems to be, well, just blade in general, f- highly used for running? Because I think when I was at Leadville, uh, one of the runners, he was wearing a, a blade. So what's the benefit yeah. of that? So it's, so it's a lot more energy return. Yeah. So it, it, it like you actually feel like you're running. Like if you have your technique, it truly does feel like running. It, it's really imp- the technology. Because I guess is it, it kind of flexes and and gives there, that there's balance more. Back. There's more flex and return. Flex and yeah. return. There's more compression. Yeah. There you go. That's the word I was. But looking did for. you say there's less support though, or um, less like energy absorption? Okay. So like it doesn't absorb the impact near oh, as well. Oh, so you feel it more. So that's what. Yeah. You so it's so like you got to be more stable in your hip to use that. Okay. The other gotcha. piece of the puzzle is actually there a running bl- a good running blade if it's fit well is actually going to be long, because of the extra compression. You want the mm. heights to match at the compressed state. So it's not really something that you should be walking around in because your hip will, your hip will be just a little okay. higher. Special um, case. Yeah, yeah. So gotcha. it's like it's a specialized leg, and some people will use them for other sports. Um, you can really figure like, it's really all comes down to, excuse me. It really comes down to what you're willing to figure out. So mm-hmm. like, so I've got those two, le- got those two feet from, uh, levitate. I've got another foot. It's called the biodapt uh, foot. And this thing was, this thing is wild. It really does look like it's part. It It's the one that looks like robotic. Um, there's a Fox like shock in it. Like a, there's a hydraulic in it. Um, and you can get like actually you'll, you could actually get into this, like some dorsiflex actual dorsiflexion, uh-huh. um, which is a big thing that I've lost um, with these prosthetic feet. Now sense, the extension yeah. part's actually harder, but dorsiflexion still like I, I don't I can't get my knee out over my toe and keep foot con- and keep full foot contact. Mm-hmm. Um, so this foot allows you to get more forward. Um, it's you can hold that position a lot better because a lot of them they want to compress and go compress and go. And so this one will actually hang out in that position. Um, it's what I use to like skateboard. It's designed to be a, also a heavier duty lifting leg. Um, I haven't used it a ton. I just haven't had the right like set of like components to make it to op- to use it at its best. But that's literally going to go. Cha- that's going to change on Thursday. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got some changes we're making to my my system, and I'm going to start playing around with that foot a little bit more. Um, especially as I'm going to start after my fight, I'm going to get into a little bit more more of the strength side again, uh, with the running. And, um, so like I said, so I got that biodap foot and then we've got another one that is, it's like an everyday foot, but we have, uh, and by we, I have had no part in the building of this. <laughs> they literally built, and so I'm a big hockey guy. Yeah. They built an ice skate onto a foot for me. Uh, the VA did. And so it's like, it is actually like the blade holder, and the blade is actually laminated into the foot connected to the pylon and socket. And I've literally got a leg that I, I've ice skated. I've done stand-up ice skating. That's really cool. Uh, it is very cool. Uh, very cool. Now, with these legs, because there was a guy I went back when I owned my gym in Virginia. We had one guy. He had a awful – it was literally his first day on the job. He had an awful accident uh, as a firefighter on an interstate. Car came by crushed his leg um, and I think he was talking to us about the expenses of it which might be different in your case since it wasn't through VA how mm-hmm. expensive are these legs and and I know you work back and forth with I, I, I'm gonna blank on the term or how to pronounce it but the prosthetist or prosthetist yeah it's a really weird yeah. vernacular that that was you want to talk about like the first few months my wife and I <laughs> had, a, had this awesome discussion like our vernacular has changed so much I'm the, sure the, 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 the phrases that just fly in our house make no sense <laughs> to anyone else yeah um so the cost is off the wall um to be honest there's a combination of 
the medical industry with insurance and all that that <laughs> the gets worst things industries. priced up here. <laughs> and yeah. then um, there is just the sheer la- like supply and demand. There mm-hmm. isn't not everybody's missing a foot. So therefore the demand isn't as high. So that can't drive prices down. The -hmm. technology is still developing. Um, I've seen them get up over 50 grand. Like, especially for an above the knee amputee that you need, you need a motorized, like a knee, a knee pylon foot and a socket. Like they get wildly expensive. Um, I don't know. I've ever heard of one under 5,000 like out of pocket. And I, I am, this is the one part that I am extremely fortunate that my, my injury was service connected. Mm-hmm. I get all of this stuff. I get complete coverage on it. Um, like, which is not the norm. Uh, m- most amputees are fighting a much tougher battle than I've had to, um, as that I've had to, and just simply procuring equipment. Like, cause typically insurance will pay for the everyday foot. They probably won't. A lot of them won't pay for the one that, it's best they'll pay for the the next one Cheapest, down yeah yeah they'll pay for the cheaper one which the kicker is if they would just buy the nicer one in the first place they'd save a lot of money because there'd be less Replace issues less replacement later. yeah like all, all of it you know you know but it's, there's no long-term vision in this now i guess you have like three years uh of experience with your prosthetic and and working through these adapted exercises in life and all that I know right now you you, you work with I, I guess you work with a variety of athletes. You can inform me better, but you have your adaptive methods, uh, you know, business and coaching. What is your approach to working with adaptive athletes? Um, that it's that it's mostly going to be decided between the ears, way more than it's going to be decided on the equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, like so, yeah. So I, I do I, I work with right now. I would say with individual clients. I am probably about 70, 30 able-bodied. Seven is about 70%, about 30% are amputees. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd love to bump that amputee number up because I've got things that I can help, uh, mm-hmm. but we're working on that. There's a lot of challenges that go in, go into providing those services. Um, so with, so so one, like I said, it's it's a lot of mindset. And then two, it's just simple, like it's gotta be strategy over everything else. Like, there, there's a perspective that I've got from the 10 years of training I did and not just, I didn't just go to the gym and put in junk work for 10 yeah. years and then became an amputee. Like because of my injury with the CRPS, like I had to continue, I kept losing function. So I had to continue to learn better and more about the mechanics of the human body, how it actually, how it needs to operate. You know, like I was actually really um, oddly enough, Chris Duffin was the guy that really inspired me a lot Mm because I saw how well he could move at the heaviest weights. So I'm like, okay, form breakdown isn't a requirement. Okay, cool. That's he, he just did a thousand pound squat for a triple. I think I, I I think that, you know, I, I, so I did a lot of learning actually like from him and just like modeled off. He's an innovative guy. (laughs) Yeah. That's a way to put it. Uh, Have you read his book? (laughs) No, I haven't read his book, but I know, you know, a lot of his you know, inventions, we have some of his bars and such. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, th- those are the, those are the, uh, the specialty bars that I try to use mm-hmm. in any time. Like really what happens and then kind of going back to the question is what happens when you lose a foot, a deadlift doesn't change. A hinge doesn't change. Walking doesn't change. Your margin for error is what changes. I have mm. to be so much more accurate. Like the, the, the margin of error that I can get away with and do a, even a decent deadlift is much narrower than yours. But the reality is, is what works best for you and I are actually pretty similar. It's the route that we go to get there. So it's having more strategy uh, in my strategies to use to get people to learn how to feel because we already talked about it. It's, it's the loss of sensation and proprioception is the biggest issue. Yeah. So like, if you, if you just go take your toes and you just kind of like squeeze your toes a little bit, you feel it cue the muscles in the above the knee. Mm-hmm. I don't have that to cue my hip. So I have to, so I have to learn different ways to, um, different ways to figure out how. Kinda so like, that. Yeah. Well, so I was like, just say, not to interrupt you. One thing I, I wrote down, I was going to ask you to expound upon, but you kind of already did was that everything is different, but everything is the same. 
And I, and I like that you, you put it that way because, yeah, I mean, the body is still working the same way. And in theory, your prosthetic makes things more difficult, more challenging. And as you mentioned, your margin of error is, uh, you know, smaller. But at the at the end of the day, the prosthetic is trying to simulate that same natural body motion and pattern. Your, the other muscles above your knee are still there. All that's still there. So that makes a lot of sense. And the other thing as far as the proprioception that you lose in your feet uh is it almost kind of like bodybuilding where at first when you're lifting, you can't really activate your lat. You're pulling with your bicep mm -hmm. too much. And then now after years of training and that mind-muscle connection that bodybuilding always talks about, now you can kind of cue that lat without really even second-guessing. Is it kind of like that? Yes. It's a, it's a refinement. It's constant refinement. It's reps. And it's, it's, a pra it's an accuracy game. Yeah. So, like, I just realized, like, okay, I have to be an accuracy athlete. Like, um, everything has to be about how accurate my movement can be. Otherwise, my, like, I'm going to compensate really easily. Mm -hmm. So putting, yeah, so it's just kind of figuring out different ways to get that to talk the right language. Hmm. So let's talk about running because uh, right. I, I find this really fascinating. So we, we talked about a little bit how you're, you're right now just focusing on basics, form, getting comfortable running, finding what works for you. And I think that's just what it comes down to with anybody, but especially if you're if you're dealing with an amputee as well, is just getting the, those reps in and, and finding comfortability as much as you can with it. Um, but tell me a little bit about what race you're training for, why you chose it, the uh, kind of motive behind it. Okay. Um so I am currently in the very beginning stages of getting ready for the Bryce Canyon 30K. Unless training goes really well, then who knows? We may bump it up. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's, it's always on the table, right? Why not? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, it, so yeah, so the, so the Bryce Canyon 30K, to be honest, it's kind of the only one that I really knew about that seemed cool. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of already talked about it. I'm not like inspired to run, to run. Um, yeah. I had to, but I also realized that of all the physical skills I've developed as an amputee, the only skill that I'm lacking or am not up to par with that would limit my ability to go have an experience was running. Okay, mm -hmm. time to work on it. Um, so that's what I wanted. I want an experience. I'm not trying to be the motivation porn amputee hobbling through a marathon because I know how many people are going to tell me good job. Yeah, I'm trying to go. I'm trying to go have experiences that I have to earn. You know, like you said, like I'm fighting in October. I, there is something that happens when you step into a ring that you can't replace anywhere else. Like that is mm -hmm. that experience and life lesson is learned. And so as I get into this, I'm like, okay, what's the experience I want? I want something cool outside. I want it to be unique. I don't want to run. To, like at some point, assuming this goes the way I want it to, I will go run a marathon. It'll be on pavement. But like, that's mm -hmm. not the thing I'm really chasing right now. Like, so like I sit there and like, and to be honest, like I said, Bryce Canyon was really the only one that I knew of. And part of that was because of Matt, uh, Matt Vincent, mm -hmm. he ran that one after his knee replacement. And I was like, well, that's kind of a, it was a cool celebration of life. And then, so I'm sitting yeah. there and like I said, a couple of weeks ago and, uh, Bo, Bo was in, uh, was in St. Louis. And mm -hmm. so we sat down for about an hour and a half and I was like, Hey, you know, I, I'd love some, uh, I'd love to pick your brain on transitioning from being just a strength athlete to wanting to do both. Mm -hmm. how, how, how do I set this base? How do I, how do I, how do I not skip steps? I would rather take small steps now than to try to make big jumps and eventually have to go back because you don't get to skip steps. You just put them off and then it limits you. And usually it shows up in the form of a, an injury and a setback. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm, I'm cool with all that. I'm cool with following a process. And so we were talking and one of the things he told me is like, well, you got to sign up for a race. It's like, what race are you going to sign up for? I was like, I don't, he's like, what race? I was like, well, Bryce Canyon is the one I know about. Yeah. I'm sure <laughs> so he put you gonna... on the spot. He's an intense guy. So I'm sure he's like, well, what race are you doing? Tell me. Right well, now. <laughs> so, so the reality is that's exactly what I would do. Yeah, like he talked to yeah. me exactly how I talk to athletes. And I was like, oh shit, man, I, I am talking now it's on me. The table I'm talking to somebody that is speaking my language who sees things very similar to how I see it. And all right, so cool. Pick it done. I was signed up that I was signed up that evening. Um, I registered for the race that evening. And what's that is the course May. like so I know it's a 30 K, but like, what is the elevation like? And, uh, you know, are there is a lot of incline or is it more yes. mountainous? 
Okay. Uh, my under, I, I think what I saw, cause I don't even know, like I, I'm so green on this. I don't <laughs> even know how to read a course breakdown. Uh, uh -huh. I think most of the race happens between seven and 9,000 feet of elevation. Okay. So there, so there's some climbing and my understanding is like early on, there's a lot of climbing to start. So that's going to be real cool to knock all the, uh, hit it well, early to, not, yeah. to, to, to knock all the piss and vinegar out of my system. <laughs> yeah. So I know I'm going to come into it pretty, pretty amped up, pretty confident. Um, and with all this elevation I get here in Missouri, I'm sure I'm going to be super, <laughs> super. Is it, is I'll, I'll it basically fully flat or is it a, like a thousand? I, I don't know what it is. I do. I know that it is nothing. It is pretty flat, especially when you compare getting out West. Um, so yeah, yeah, you'll feel it. <laughs> yeah. So, so like I said, like I'm here for an experience though. So one, I want to experience elevation anyway. I'm probably, mm -hmm. if everything goes smooth and I've got like support, I can afford to take the time. I'll probably end up making a trip out your, your way anyway, after like Colorado or something yeah, like that and spend a week do. training out there and getting a, getting a feel for what that's like. And again, just getting the experience. I've never been to Colorado anyway. Um, but said, I know like, again, I, I want to learn a lot from Bo and, and then mm -hmm. you're out there too. And I've learned a lot from you. And yeah. like I said, you, you guys are doing the type of thing that I'm trying to be doing as well. Yeah. We could do, we'll do a little mini camp. We'll get you set. Dude, that, <laughs> dude, that would be unreal. Like that would just be so unbelievably cool to get to have that experience. And like, I've been coached for so long and I, I actively try to put myself into position of student. Yeah. Um, and the, the more the funnel closes on what I haven't done, the harder it becomes to find the right environment and coach. Mm -hmm. And it's also getting to the point that like, if I'm going to find that, I'm probably going to have to go find it. It's probably not going to walk. I got lucky that Bo walked into St. Louis. I literally happened to be on the true form uh, treadmill. So doing, you didn't know him doing, before that? Um, we'd interacted a little bit on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, but uh, again, like I really appreciate Bo's perspective and his language mm -hmm. and, there was something there that I was like, you know what? This guy's, this guy doesn't suck. That's pretty cool. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. This guy is strong. He's hitting long runs. I dig it. Um, yeah. So there, yeah, he, I just happened to be there. Like I literally just happened like, that's only going to happen so many times. Yeah. And you uh, seek it out. Yep. And, and I am totally, I'm finally in a place in my life that I can go do that again. Like, before, like I didn't go on a single vacation while I was in pain. Cause why would I go pay money to go be miserable somewhere? Yeah. So like that side of me has never even happened. So like, yeah, no, I would love to set something up like that. That would be wildly cool. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it sometime. Uh, with, with in prep for this run, I know you, I think you posted about it recently and it was going to be one of my questions was with running and I guess this applies to all the different legs you have, but specifically with running, what is some of the like obstacles or maintenance that you have to worry about when it comes to the sweat and the articulation of the joint, all of that? Yeah. So this is, yeah, this is the game, right? Um, so kind of to do the quick uh, wearing a prosthetic 101 yeah, for anyone who's not familiar. <laughs> yeah. So if I, I am completely stripped down, like I've got nothing on, um, I've got my residual limb. Um, and so that's it. I have to, I then will put on a urethane liner. So this thing that has no breathability, um, no what, no way to relieve water. Um, and that rolls up on my residual limb over my knee and about a third to halfway up my thigh. I then have a, uh, one, a one ply sock. So it's just something to kind of fill out the fit because really the name of the game is having as tight of a, a tight and perfect mm -hmm. of a fit into your socket as possible. Any loss there is a, is a overarching loss. That is base of the pyramid. How well do you fit into your socket? That is how I manipulate everything. If that's loose, I'm going to do damage to my skin. I'm going to do damage to my joints. I'm going to start compensating uh, onto my other hip um, this is like, I refuse to run this poorly, plain yeah. and simple. So like, so it does start there. And then they're on top of that. Then there's another sleeve that goes over the top. So there's not a lot, there, there's no sweat getting out. Um, I Swiftwick actually makes an amputee sock that I put on under my liner that will, that has actually been an amazing level up for me. Um, because it, it keeps the water from just pulling out in the bottom and then you're, you're not like sloshing around in that liner. Yeah. Which is a real bad time. Um, so you, you start really, tearing skin. 
you want a really obviously secure fit, like you said. Is there potential or uh, any cons to being too tight? How do you avoid that as well? Um, or is it like I, that Goldilocks kind of spot? I don't know. Like if if you are too tight, you're just not going to get into the socket, and so like basically it would be like fitting like this okay, versus so that. You, you you would know immediately like it's not. Yeah. Fully. Yes. Like yeah, oh. you're not really going to get into the socket the way you need to. And if that's not real obvious, this is not an event you should be doing because uh, you, you need a high level of awareness to what's going on. Mm-hmm. These are the things now as I start to increase my mileage, like today, the plan is to go for a 40 minute run. This is going to be the longest run I've done in over a decade. Mm-hmm. But that, so like that, that's the plan after this is to go for that run. I'm going to learn a lot about sweat management and what like, so like it's going to be a, like when it comes time for the race, I'm probably going to have a different set of stuff than yeah. the rest of the people racing. Like, so I'm going to have extra parts, extra this and that, and just different uh, components that I'll need just in case I need to stop, dry everything off, and go. So, like, I'm trying to add as much longer duration stuff in there as I can so that I can start getting a feel for, okay, one hour in, 30 yeah. minutes in. start building start a game learning. plan. Yes, exactly. Like, I, like, I sit there and you're like you sit there. Uh, one guy that really details it well is Nick Bear. Like he he'll mm-hmm. break down his whole plan. This is the nutrition. This is the this is the game plan with all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I've got all of that to do because that's going to affect my fit as well. If I let myself get dehydrated, my limb shape is going to change. Yeah. And now I'm moving around. And now so like the snowball. Can, you know, again, like I said, my consequences are higher. My Even margin for factors. error is actually smaller. Mm-hmm. So so it's a lot of experimenting. Um, it's a lot of stair stepping my my volume and my training, and so, like I said, between that Swiftwick sock and then like the current setup I've got going on, I've got a I've got a vacuum pump that creates a suction effect mm-hmm. to keep me locked into my prosthetic. That actually I've noticed. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I posted this yesterday, so I was doing some uh, belt squat marching, and water and sweat not water sweat was spilling out of the backside of my 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 sleeve uh-huh. and my prosthetic because at a certain point there's enough sweat it just had to go somewhere with that vacuum keeps it tight it kind of helps push it out so it doesn't pull up which is again another thing i've got that i that i've got in my favor so like that you know that'll that'll happen i, I would i would assume that at the end end of the race you'll see at the back the back side of that, those shorts that i'm wearing <laughs> that there's gonna be like a wet spot that looks like i peed but that's not a place that pee would go mm. sort, sort of thing <laughs> um so like yeah so th- that's an interesting thing that i've got to learn a lot about like I, I know what the issues are i know what the hazards are and i and i know like the basics of what has worked thus far mm-hmm. i am diving into a new arena um, so like, to me, that's also part of the fun. Like I like the problem solving more than I like the running. I yeah. like the technique work. I like the skill work. Um, I think that the data is interesting, you know, keeping the heart rate data and that sort of stuff I, th- I think is, is fascinating. Like, I don't make decisions off of my wear. Like, like I, I, I've got the Garmin, you know, yeah. and I'm going to wear, you know, I, I've been ruining the chest, you know, the heart rate monitor on the chest. I just got one. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think it's interesting. Um, I, I think that it's a huge tool for you to quantify what you're feeling. And I, I think that's where the value is in those things. Okay, I felt like that. What did the data look like? Oh, okay, so that feels like that. And that's what that means. Mm-hmm. Okay, that means, okay, I'm trying to go on a zone two run. I, if I feel like this, I've, I'm I'm in zone three. You know, yeah. so like I, I can use it like that. Um, that makes sense for coming from a, from a coach yourself, though. You want those objective uh, yeah, markers I, so, so you can make better decisions, right? Like, I love the RPE system. I hate the execution of the RPE system. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Uh, like, I'll, I'll, I'll do, like, a 5x5 five five on squat, and every every rep will feel like an RPE 9, you know, in your head. Like, it just <laughs> – sometimes it's not the most the reliable. Yeah, and you watch the video, you're like, damn it. You know, Have you so looked at any of the uh, velocity-based stuff? No. I'm – so here's, here's my thing. So my background, for reference, was like eight years of bodybuilding. There's obviously strength tied into it, but but a bodybuilding focus with obviously getting stronger on your compounds. Then I got into running around 2020. I've been kind of hybrid since. But with bodybuilding, as I'm sure you still know, it's it's very intuitive. It's very like train your balls off and then all the, the work and focus that goes into – diet and and you know uh, sleep and muscle growth and all that there isn't that much 
science that really has to come into play. There's not like you're not going in there hitting percentages. You're not going in there really even thinking about RP. You are thinking about progressive overload. But so I, I come from the attitude where it's like too much science takes the fun out of it for me. So okay. it's a long-winded answer of saying, no, I haven't looked into that. But I also understand, especially as I transition into running, where there's a lot more uh, m- you know, points of measurement, that, hey, if you really want to actually make progress, you got to start looking at this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's – yeah, so, like, the R- again, the RPE thing is – it's great, just probably mm-hmm. not for a beginner. Because uh, like, you got to – again, you got to learn what these things feel like. And what I see the mm-hmm. velocity-based stuff as a way to quantify that RPE. So it's like – Basically, what would happen, and I've not dove into this because I'm, I'm kind of with you. Like, I don't need a ton of science to train. Yeah. And I also, science has never been any closer to what's happening than ten years behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, the strength conditioning, you know, that that's that science isn't really at the forefront when we're trying to figure out cancer. Yeah. Um, weird, right? That that's where the funding's going. But like, so like, basically, you would establish over some time of tracking sp- bar speed. You would basically establish your own individual profile. Got so now, so so now in R, so now you just attach this to your bar, and your RPE seven now means like a velocity of 0.8 to 0.9. Gotcha. So it gives you like a range of what an RP will look like based off. Exactly. Velocity. So basically, okay. you look at your data like, all right, do I add weight or stay there? It makes that a it makes that previously or it can it can make that previously subjective decision objective. Yeah. based on your output and what you're doing for the it would account for nervous system fatigue and stuff like that and like that part of it's really interesting to me mm-hmm. so like I, I like the idea of that so like i said so i kind of treat the the track the heart rate stuff with the same same level of like intention like it doesn't make any decisions for me um it doesn't you know if my recovery score isn't what i want it to be it doesn't decide what i do like my recovery mm-hmm. score is just fine today but my legs are heavy uh, from mm-hmm. from squatting, belt squat marching, doing some accessories, and then doing some hill runs yesterday, and then going and playing some disc golf. My legs yeah. are a little heavy. Yeah, that's why I would never get a whoop because it would tell me I need to like rest and recover. And I said, nope, nope, we're uh, we're lifting today. <laughs> I, I got it wrong once. I remember I was playing sled playing uh, sled hockey. I had a practice in the. I had a, an extra opportunity for a practice in the morning. I wake up and my score was like thirty. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And I get out there and I've got the freaking coordination of a three-year-old with six Feel left like hands. Yeah. Like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, okay, it was right this time. I was wrong. <laughs> I was yeah. really wrong. Admit your ignorance. To wrap things up, uh, I'd love to hear more about this less leg, more heart uh, foundation, program, project, whatever it is. Could you tell me a little bit about it? All right. So less leg, more heart is what probably the most phenomenal nonprofit I've ever encountered. Um, so I'm actually now currently working with them. I do some behind the scenes stuff, uh, as much as I can. Uh, mm-hmm. heck I even did video editing. I didn't know that I, I didn't know that I had that on my resume, but I did <laughs> some video edit. editing for him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I've got my own YouTube channel that I've, mm-hmm. I've started to learn that stuff. And so I'm doing a little stuff there. Um, I do, uh, and I also do some training and I'll get into that in here in a second. But so the, the real mission of less like more heart is to complement the after the care after surgery that the medical system is not providing um it has been everything from just sending basic supplies like oh i didn't know or finding resources like for most people to get a running blade ah this is where i lost my train of thought for most people to get a running blade their insurance company is going to deny it because they already gave you an an everyday leg and then they'll say that the running leg is not medically necessary Mm. so then they'll deny it that being said those legs are priced to sell to insurance then insurance won't buy it so there's a lot of grants out there less like more heart does stuff like it'll help people find grants but that we also work with the company with that company levitate they're the one they're Mm -hmm. making running blades that are direct to consumer and priced like that they are two thousand dollars for a running blade that will attach to the socket you already have and yeah exactly compared to the five to ten grand Mm -hmm. and you can make payments on it and just have it sick so they do so but they've done everything from like small things like smaller it's a huge thing for for the individual to they have outfit homes that needed to be redone they they believe that at one point they did a sixty thousand dollar home renovation for an amputee Hmm. um but really it's a lot of what do you need that's what their thing is like 
one of the things that Tina Hurley, she's the uh, founder, um, likes to use, and she's like, we are our mission is intentionally vague because everyone's needs are so individual and what people are being provided is so all over the place. So if our only thing is running blades, we we miss out on a lot of help that other people need. And so she's got a big background in the medical system, is an amputee herself. And so she understands a lot of why things aren't getting, why certain things aren't being provided, but she also understands what things need to be provided. And so less like more heart does that work to try and provide what is needed. So for example, one of the jobs that I do is I'm in a trainer. Like that's where a lot of my amputee clients come from mm-hmm. is through less like more heart. These amputees are rewarded free, free personal training with me. So I, I work through the, the organization and these people are now being given an opportunity. So like I said, strategies are really, there's a lot of lacking in strategies. And now I'm able to provide these things that have worked for me and have worked for others. And now these people that wouldn't have access to quality PT, yeah. they now have access to me you know, via Zoom or FaceTime. And now once a week, we're getting together, we're working on stuff, I'm giving them homework. And like, it's such an awesome thing because like, you know, like you, you know, having, having had multiple physical endeavors, what are, what a good start does for your learning process. Mm-hmm. Like what happens when you don't like, not all mistakes need to be made. Like you, you, you've got to change course and you've got to learn these things, but it could be done a lot better. And so this is giving so many people an opportunity to get off to a better start. Um, and that's like, it's just really cool. Like, I wish I had a something better to say. I'm just like really grateful that I get that I no, found these people. It sounds awesome. Yeah, she, I mean, she found she found me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like re- amputee or any p- uh, need of healthcare, I feel like should be personalized. It shouldn't be generalized, but that's often what you see because it's the cost efficient thing. Uh, a couple other points that stuck stood out to me were that you know you're you're carrying the training beyond the physical therapy. I'm sure for a lot of people, VA or not insurance only covers physical therapy up to a certain point and then after you get to that point where you can do maybe some basic walking or or basic needs then you're kind of left out there into the world there's no transition yeah there's no no transition and so having that next step uh, allowing yourself to or, or, or enabling someone to not only just live with this new you know this new leg or this new prosthetic whatever it is is one thing, but allowing them to kind of flourish with it is a whole different thing. Um, and another thing too is is through working with you or, or just continuing to work with their prosthetist, they can kind of learn their body. I mean, even people that are fully able-bodied, they don't even know their how to use their hips, how to use their muscles right. They don't even know their body. And so well, now, the more when I you... learn about gait, the harder it is to walk around Walmart. <laughs> yeah. So now, <laughs> when like, you have this what? prosthetic on. You need to kind of relearn that just like it's a new a new limb you've never used. You need to really, you know, trial and error, go back and forth with your prosthetist and uh, and work on those kinks and really customize it again for your for your needs, your wants, your desires, whatever you're dealing with. So that's it's amazing that there is a foundation like that. And unfortunately, it seems like it does come down to the actual people that are in the community themselves that are are starting foundations and and assistance like this. Yeah. And you know what? Like probably sh- it should be that way like sure like yeah. uh, like because you're the there, one there's a perspe- you know what they th- need. there's a perspective exactly like like all the things that are being done with physical therapy and all that sort of stuff is all written by people with who have never lost a leg and it's yeah. based on and they just tell people what it's supposed to look like and mm-hmm. i'm sitting here yeah. thinking like that doesn't work that's why everyone's hips hurt that's why no that's why it's so hard to get people on running blades and to actually do these things is because they're being told to make it look a certain way instead of how it functions. Yeah, they're going off you know? textbook rather than real experience. And, and that's not even their fault for not having it. Like you shouldn't like don't go get an amputation because you want to understand. I promise you what you have works better unless you're in a <laughs> scenario like mine. Uh-huh. But like so like again it is up to like it is up to me. It is up to us and I I don't want it any other way to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm cool with that, with that accountability, because again, no one's gonna, ha- no one's gonna understand what it's like to operate a prosthetic, like a prosthetic user. Mm-hmm. So it's not their fault. They don't understand it. Yes. Could things be done better? Absolutely. Could there be a much greater culture of 
let's learn and innovate let's improve let's refine it's okay if things change that's not a if we change how things are being done that's not a derogatory mark on Mm -hmm. how things used to be done assuming that things used to be done at the best of your knowledge well now we have new knowledge and that is the that is the the perspective that's missing and it's not just in the amputee that's a human thing yeah Um, and so like the more we can spread and like i said that's what i've I've really jived with the people with less leg is the more we can even just get that simple piece of culture across the better everyone does. Like it's the rising, rising tide raises all ships is very evident in what can happen in that scenario. Yeah. Well, Sam, I appreciate talking uh, with you today. I think again, like learn, I feel like I learned multiple things and got to, got to step into the multiple worlds that I knew nothing about, whether it is, uh, see, Oh God, I'm going to get the initial. Is it CMRP, right? CRPS. CRPS. I'm just making up initials now. Exactly. <laughs> but well, so, so the- are the people that named it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we just make a new term for it. That's what it is. But, uh, really enjoyed our conversation. We'll have to stay in touch, especially if you can make it out to Colorado, we'll get some oh, miles yeah. in. I'll drive up to Denver and, uh, We'll make it happen. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, so best place to find me is definitely on Instagram at uh, Sam Schaefer one S A M S C H A E F E R the number one. Um, that's the best way to find me. I do have a Schaefer Adaptive uh, page as well. I'm not really doing a whole lot on it at the time. It turns out it's a lot of work to build one page. Yeah, it it's is, even yeah. hard. It's it's a lot harder <laughs> to build two at the same time when you haven't built one in the first place. I think I just recently got to that 10k mark. I was like, mm-hmm. neat. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. Um, and then I do have got, I've got a little bit on YouTube and my plan is to put out a lot more on YouTube leading up to the run. Um, like I said, I've got a boxing match, uh, here in October. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, so we're, I'm going to be getting some stuff in there on that. And then as fighting? the running thing, say it again. Who are you fighting? Um, I don't even really know right now. Like I, I'm, I'm O and O and it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's super amateur. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, but that's October seventh. Um, get get to have a boxing match. Get to go have an experience, um, and then from there, it's gonna be putting the gas on to figuring out this whole uh, endurance nice, thing. Yeah. It's the, it's it's the it's the last big lever I've never really pulled, and I'm yeah. really excited to really excited to see what happens in six months. Awesome. Well, like I said, I'm in, I'm looking forward to following along with that journey as well. And if you guys enjoyed the podcast, please share it. Obviously, give Sam a follow. Check out the awesome stuff that he's doing. And I will catch you guys on the next one.